Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Did everyone fail Gabriel Fernandez? I'm your host, Yesenia Garcia, for Latinx Influencers, and that's today's topic. Who genuinely tried to help this eight-year-old? All right, guys, but before we jump into talking about this new series on Netflix about the trials on Gabriel Fernandez, we're going to actually talk about Latino series and like must binge watch Latino shows with Latino cultures on Netflix. And I actually brought in a special guest. It's my friend, Joanna Casas. Joanna, welcome. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I'm a mother of two. My daughter is 11. I have a two and a half year old. Um, I am currently engaged. Um, we're living down in Phoenix area and going to school and working. And yeah, that's about it. You're going to school to become a nurse. A nurse. And you're going to be saving lives. That's all that matters. All that hard work that you put into classes and going to school is going to pay off in the end. Yes, for sure. So do you have time to watch series on Netflix then? I do. What do you watch? Sometimes. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, we're busy moms. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you currently watching right now? Um, so right now I am currently watching the Gabriel Fernandez case. That's okay. been my number one find watching. What were you watching before that one? Um, before that one, I was watching Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Is that, is that Latino? Or were Latino cultures in no. it? No. Um, well, there's a Latino in it, but no, it's not like a Latino. Okay. So what is like your to go to most on Netflix? Like what do you usually watch when you're trying to look for a good series? Um, we kind of like to watch like documentaries with like kind of like romantic ones, uh-huh. but kind of like like, for instance, the one with the Gabriel Fernandez kind of, like, suspense, kind of just... So you guys like, uh, you and your fiancé, you guys like watching documentaries? Yes. Yes, we're not, like, the only weird ones, because me and my husband are, like, always watching documentaries. <laughs> They're usually more crime-related. He loves to watch, like, the gang ones, like MS-13 and stuff like that. It's actually really, really interesting. So I'll, like, sit and watch. He watches a lot of, like, military documentaries. And then, uh-huh. obviously, right now... We just finished watching the Gabriel Fernandez one. But most of the times, to be honest, I'm watching novelas. And let me just say this. Like, novelas on Netflix have definitely stepped it up. It's not like the same as novelas on Televisa. You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They got rid of, I mean, there's still drama, you know. But not like the, ese drama tan dramático. O sea, que exageran, (laughs) you know. Like... Se cae una persona y se pega en la pared y rueda por las escaleras y ya. She's unconscious. (laughs) Okay, so right now, actually, my husband and I, we're watching esta novela que se llama El Dragón, The Return of a Warrior. Have you heard of it? Uh Uh-huh. No. Okay, so let me just tell you why I started watching this, okay? I'm going to start off with Uh this. Sebastián Rulis in it. You know who Sebastián Rulis is? No. Oh, my God, Joana, you have to look him up. How could you not know who Sebastián (laughs) Rulis is? (laughs) 
Maybe I do, but I just, maybe I have to see a picture. Okay, anyway, Sebastian Rulli, if you look him up, he is an extremely handsome man. Okay. Uh-huh. So, and I actually think that my husband looks like him. Para que se sienta bien. Y no me diga nada. Okay, so he's in it. Y es una novela en donde... It's about narcos, of course, but this is about narcos based on El Salado, which is supposed to be, like, right around, like, the Baja California, kind of, like, San Luis, Potosí, Mexicali area. Somewhere around there. So that's the plazas that they're claiming. They're a, they're a grupo there. And Sebastián Rulli, which is the dragon in this novela, in a sense, uh-huh. um, he goes off and lives in, in Tokyo, Japan, after his parents are murdered. And then he has to come uh-huh. back because the grandpa, who is like the leader of the cartel, dies. And then Sebastián Rulli has to take over. So right now we're kind of like in the first episodes of the series. But it has us... Uh-huh hooked because it's una novela and like I said I'm a novelera I'm gonna admit it I love watching novelas but I'm also like I love like romantic series and it's una novela pero, pero no estilo like novela back in the day so no tiene todo ese drama that, is, that you're like oh my gosh no puedo con esto it's too much like exaggeration <laughs> yeah so it's good you know like a, a really good balance you know and usually like my husband never watches novelas with me and he is actually uh-huh. like really into this one too so that's why I'm saying like this is actually a really good novela that is like the modern type of novela and I really like the fact that it's on Netflix and it's like the new in my take it's like the new modern way of making novelas so uh-huh. I recommend you watch it si te gusta lo romántico and I also asked some people on Instagram cuáles eran los shows que ahorita estaban viendo, like whatever, what they were binge watching that were Latino-based shows on Netflix. And this mm-hmm. is what they had to say. Um, el show que me gusta ver como un latino se llama On My Black. Se trata de un grupo de amigos que viven, se me hace que en Los Ángeles y pues creciendo en, pues, en, en el barrio, pues. Um, las razones que me gusta es porque así como creció uno pues entre vida americana y vida mexicana se trata ese show de cultura mexicana y pues como aquí también mexicanos creciendo crecidos aquí y también tiene un poco así en la cultura pues que crecí yo entre, entre pandillas y cosas así y hay cosas que, que tienes que decidir entre buenas y malas um, y pues sí en, en totalidad pues el show está muy bueno, muy interesante. Yo recomiendo ver la serie de Narcos México porque, quieras o no, es parte de la historia de México. Y te explica cómo empezó el narcotráfico desde mucho antes del Chapo Guzmán, quién estaba encargado de qué estado, cómo se fueron dando las plazas. Y a mí lo que más me impresiona es cómo, cómo estas personas, estos son líderes, son personas bien inteligentes, bien astutas, que si usaran todo eso para bien, México sería otra cosa. A mí me encanta La Casa de Papel o en inglés Money Heist porque es una serie de crimen que es de mis series favoritas. Aparte de eso... La serie es en España, entonces muchos de los modismos que conozco en español mexicano son diferentes a los que hablan allá y me gusta mucho poder 
aprender diferentes modismos y formas de hablar el idioma español. Pero aparte de eso, es una serie muy popular que tiene varias temporadas ya y la verdad es una de las mejores series que he visto de crimen. La recomiendo muchísimo. So I guess what we can take from these three recommended shows, lo que es Narcos México, On My Block y La Casa de Papel, is that people like watching series that, it's a little sad to say, but that have crime, that are crime related. And also it's sad to say because it's a Latino based, based show and that doesn't mean that everything that has to do with Latinos is crime related, right? Yes, for sure. Now I actually want to move on to the main topic of today's episode. Honestly, I don't even have like the words to ex express how I feel. Um, I think I'm still shook at everything that this kid went through, that somebody, that any human for that matter, would be able to do these gruesome acts and so cruel and like no tener corazón, no tener like a soul and just to do this. Exactly. Well, after watching it, I just, one, I was in shock because me as a mother, it hit home, like it hit home really good. Like yeah. I was crying watching the whole episode, but um, to me, it just, it shook me more because it's, it's a reality that a lot of people don't see like me as a mother. I would never do anything to hurt my kids. Exactly. So you don't, you don't, you don't see, you don't see, or you don't want to believe those things that are going on around because who would want to do that to their own kids? I just don't understand, like, in what state of mind somebody has to be to do that. Not only, like you said, to their own child, but to any child. Exactly. You know, it's it's truly unbelievable. Well, I know they um, they wouldn't feed him. They would um, they would beat him. They would make him eat cat litter. Yeah, I mean, some of the things on the series that they talk about. You mentioned a couple that they did beating, uh, didn't uh -huh. feed him, and if they did feed him, they would make him eat the cat litter, which is so disgusting. And and it's like I said, I can't even comprehend like how they would do that to anyone. There were several parts and I have, a, I'm having a hard time with this and explaining like how everything that happened to this child, because like I said, I feel like it just won't go into my mind, like how somebody can do these like gruesome things to somebody. Like they said that, that the mother Pearl Fernandez le pegó with the bat on his mouth uh -huh. and then it broke his teeth off. Yes. Like, And the little brother or the little sister, I believe, were sitting there watching as she did it. Right. But at the same time, like, pobres niños también, like, they had to be traumatized by the whole thing because a child is a child. Like, they're so innocent. They're so, like, no pueden hacer nada, you know? Like, they, they, like what could they have done to help their little brother, too? You think they were, there exactly. was something that they could have done? Well, that, that, when I was watching that, I was actually thinking, like, I wonder if the parents kind of like threaten them not to say anything also because how could they just go on about their lives and go play with their friends or go to school yeah. and not mention anything about it i know and uh, another one of the things that like when i heard the injuries to him like if, if you watch the series in the first first episode 
when the mom calls and says he had fallen and they take him to the hospital, you know, and they start mentioning todas las cosas que tiene el cuerpo, all of the injuries on his body from the cigarette burns to like the scraping of his, of his skin to everything. But when they said that he had bullets in his lung and somewhere else in the body, I was just like, how in the world is this kid like still living to that date? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so were those shots BB gun shots or were they actual shots? They were BB gun shots. Okay. But I mean, nonetheless, like obviously no, like the, the shooting didn't kill him. But at the same time, it's like, that's painful. You're still being shot regardless if it's a BB gun. And he never, they never sought out medical attention for him. And then they said that his skull was not like a normal skull, that it felt like, uh, what did they compare it to? The uh, Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies. Like, como digo, no me cabe, no me cabe en la cabeza. It's just atrocious, everything that they did yes. to him. And that then, is supposed to tell you how much they hit him in the head. Can you imagine? Like, todos los I can't even begin to imagine, pero todos los días, este pobre niño, like, he feared for his life every second, and then they tied him. They gagged him, le pusieron ese sock in his mouth, le tapaban la boca, le tapaban los ojos. They would tie him and put him in that cubby day and night. Like, he was such yes. a sweetheart. Que te puesto que ese niño, like, didn't even think about, like, the evilness that these actions yeah. were being done with. He was probably trying to comprehend and understand why they were doing that to him. Like, what did he do? Why was he not good enough? And why was he being treated this way? Y a lo mejor, in some sense, like, blaming himself instead of blaming his attackers. Yeah, and I believe it because the episode that made me cry the most was the one where he wrote a Mother's Day oh card God. to his mom saying how beautiful she was and I think there was a little coupon he made that he was going to be better. Like, they made him feel like all of that was happening was because of his fault. That's heartbreaking. That that scene definitely made me cry because that just goes to show the innocence in a child's mind. Que, exactly. I mean, they're just kind of like at the mercy of everybody else, especially their parents, you know? It's, yeah, exactly. I don't know. If, if you guys haven't seen... The, the trials of Gabriel Fernandez, he was an eight-year-old boy who was tortured and brutally beaten, eventually being killed at the hands of his own mother, Pearl Fernandez, and her boyfriend, Isauro Aguirre, back in May of 2013. When Pearl Fernandez called 911, she said that he had fallen and that he wasn't breathing. And... Mm -hmm that at some point Isaro Aguirre took over the conversation when she was in, when he was on the phone with 911 and the operator was telling him to do CPR he said he was doing it later on in the trial evidence showed that apparently when the paramedics got there they didn't see him doing any CPR measures of any kind um one of the things also that shocked me was when the one of the firefighters said that when they started giving him CPR and they started looking at his body, they actually thought he had some sort of skin disease because of mm -hmm. everything that was on his body. Yes. That is just heartbreaking. Yes. And I feel like that was just the beginning of this series. Yeah. 
how do you feel about who was genuinely there for him and who wasn't there for him? Like who was actually trying to do something for him and who didn't? Well, I feel like the teacher tried to help him, but I feel like, well, I, I guess I don't know if they have any policies that they have to follow or something, but I feel like personally the teacher could have done a little more. Mm-hmm. She was obviously trying to help him, but never got him the help he needed. And also when they went into, was it, I believe the DES office or something that the security guard there noticed that that little kid had all these bruises and he mm-hmm. tried to get somebody involved and they said that they couldn't because they were going to go on overtime. So they ignored yeah. him. That's so just... I feel like pretty much everybody just fell that little boy. Like I feel like everybody could have done a little, they could have done more. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, and this is us, like our opinion um, of an outsider looking in and seeing like you could have done more and you could have done more. But I truly believe And even the teacher said it, that everyone could have done more to help him. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like if anyone did something that was significant here, was that security guard. Because he actually Mm -hmm. called 911. He actually went against his boss's orders of not like getting involved. And I feel like he's the one that if he did probably the most was him. I'm extremely angry at the social workers, I feel like the teacher did do something. But as I would, like I said, this is an outsider just looking in. But, and and granted, I'm not a teacher. But I feel like when you see those things and a kid tells you, I was beaten or I was shot in the face with a BB gun by my mom. And she said, I waited Mm -hmm. until lunchtime. I feel like at that time, you take that kid, you drop everything you're doing, you give them your full attention and you try to get to the bottom of this like I don't know I'm the type of person that I will put yourself out there and be a little bit more selfless and helping others especially when it's about a child I think that it's so important to speak out even if you're if that means a confrontation if that means at some point I'm not telling you to risk your life but if that would have saved this little boy's life like wouldn't you have done it Mm-hmm. You know, like just... I was actually reading a post about this whole documentary. Uh, it was somewhere on Facebook, and there was this, they were talking about the teacher, and a lot of ladies commenting on that were actual teachers, and they were saying us as teachers, if a little, if one of our students comes and tells us that he does not want to go home, we're gonna make sure he don't go home. Exactly. Like, why would you send him back there? Exactly. Like he comes and tells you he don't want to go home. It's for obvious reasons. After uh, either way, she had already known because he had already told her that his mom beats him and shoots him with the ba- baby gun. But for the little boy to come tell you, I don't want to go home. That's that's in other words, trying to tell her like, save me. I don't. I don't want to go back home. Right. Like, how do you not take extra measures to that? How do you not take action into that when somebody says, I don't want to go home. I'm being beaten. And then, like I said, the the part when somebody says, I was shot in the face by a BB gun, like that mm-hmm. right there is like, holy cow, like what? That's yeah. where you drop everything. You're like, no, like I'm going to take this to the end and try to save this this little kid because obviously nobody was there for him. And if they were, the people that were, 
I don't want to discredit what they did or did not do, but from what it seems from the series and from what we learned, it doesn't seem like there was actually somebody there who would have given their life to save his. That's my opinion on this. Um, I think what angers me most is that, you know, after the teacher called DCFS and Stephanie is one of the social workers, she did nothing when she heard that he was shot by a BB gun and said it was nothing. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. in somebody's right mind do you say that's nothing? Exactly. So as we know, Gabriel Fernandez, the night of that call that he was taken to the hospital, we know he didn't die that night. He died two days later after he was pronounced brain dead. But it wasn't that beating just that day. Like, like, yes, that was the beating that essentially like caused him to go over the edge, you know, and he and, and killed him. Um, but this was a torture that had been going on for over eight months, eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the doctors who did the autopsy, um, in the trial said that he, Gabriel Fernandez had broken ribs that every time that kid took a breath, he was in pain. But again, yeah. we know that that he went through a horrific torture and that every single second of those eight months plus whatever time it was, he was in pain physically mm-hmm. and emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I guess we asked the same question. Who ultimately ended up not being there for him? And I guess a lot of the people are saying that he was consistently let down by the system when he needed them most. And you know, those four social workers were essentially going to be charged. And at the end of the day, they weren't. We know that all those charges were dropped. But in my opinion, I think that two of them should have been sent to prison. I think towards like the caseworkers, how they're trying to make it seem like, oh, well, she was new or they overload them with cases. I think they were negligent to the max for not for overlooking all of these injuries on him, especially Patricia Clement, when she lied on the report and said that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody do that? Why would you lie? Like, I think that they honestly, this is my opinion. I feel like she was lazy. Yes. Or, exactly. or unless she was scared. Oh, I just feel like they try to use excuses. They had too many cases and they were overwhelmed. But out of all those cases, like there were so many red flags on this case. So why? I just, it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. I, I feel like there's, like I said, I, I hate to, in a sense, judge, you know, the the people behind this and who, who let Gabriel Fernandez down. But at the same time, that negligence led to his death. Mm-hmm. You know, had you taken your time to even the the part was where that security guy and that and then that lady at, at DCFS, you know, they said because of overtime issues, why couldn't she just say something along the lines of you don't have to pay me, let me do this for this kid and I don't care about the money, I'll put in the overtime so that I can help this child, you know? Or exactly. there's so many cases. Okay, but why don't you just look more into this one because maybe this one is just calling out for more red flags. Exactly. Exactly. And I say, I hate to judge and put myself in this position where I'm just trying to flat out blame this person. But 
that's just the way that this is coming out to be. Like there was, uh, maybe social workers might disagree with us and say like, you know, this is different. You don't understand because you don't do this job. But as a person, as a human, I feel like that's what you should have done. Exactly. I'm going to read you um, a little bit of the evidence that was found. It says at the crime scene, the investigator came in with red stickers to mark blood splatter around the apartment. There was so much blood that apparently she ran out of red tags and had to switch to yellow tags. Mm -hmm. I, when I was watching the uh, series, I really wanted to know up to what number evidence tags did she go up to? You know, I saw up to like 60 something, but I want to know what number or how many stickers she laid out. You know, the day that um, Gabriel Fernandez was taken to the hospital. Do you remember that they said that he had marks on, on his neck as if he would have been strangled? Uh-huh. And then his brother actually confirmed, saying that that night what happened was that Isauro Aguirre actually grabbed him by the neck, pulled him up, mm-hmm. so the little boy was like feet off the ground, and mm-hmm. the DA says that Isauro punched him 10 times in the face. So picture this. Isauro is a guy who is six foot two and over 200 and something pounds. And here is little Gabriel Fernandez who is, what do they say, 59 pounds at that time? Punched in the face by this guy 10 times. And that's what we know of the guy. Like, how do we know that Pearl Fernandez didn't also beat him at the same time? Because according to the little brother or to, the, to Gabriel Fernandez's brother, they took him into the room and closed the door, and then he heard banging. And the DA says that Isaro Aguirre and Pearl Fernandez kicked him. I can't even imagine. I, I try to picture this, and it's just so horrific. I can't even imagine to think about what Gabriel Fernandez was going through at those moments. For those that don't know, Isaro Aguirre was sentenced to the death row. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to applaud to that. And... Pearl Fernandez was sentenced to life in prison without parole. So for Isaro, I, I believe he, justice was completely served with him because yeah, I believe all of this was intentional. Well, of course it was. He, he they must have, I was kind of nervous watching this because of that one juror that was fighting them pretty much not to not give him first degree murder or oh, I know. the death the death penalty because he didn't think he did it intentionally, but who in their right mind is going to beat a kid up and not think they're going to kill him or feed him or like, of course it was intentionally. So I do believe he got what he deserved. But as, as as of his mother, she took the easy route and she pled guilty because she didn't want to face the jurors because she knows she would have got the death penalty also. So for me, I feel like, Justice wasn't served for her because for her as a mother, she should have been the one defending him, not allowing this to go on. But she took the easy route and pled guilty so she can get life sentence, which I don't think she, I think she deserves more than that. Exactly. And I couldn't agree more with you. I feel that she should have gotten the death row as well because we, and see, here's the thing. When I was talking to some people about like, why do you think that she got life in prison and he got death row? And they says because, you know, he did the actual hitting at the end, which caused him to, you know, get uh, be brain dead. 
But mm-hmm. we don't know because according to how the attack happened at the end and according to Gabriel Fernandez's brother, they put him in the room, just the three of them, and attacked him and, and beat him. So we don't know exactly if Pearl Fernandez did or not beat him at that time too. Um, so yes, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you. I think that she should also have gotten the death penalty, but you never know. I mean, this could be reopened. I don't know. I'm hoping it could be reopened so that she could actually get the, the death row um, because I truly believe she was 100% as guilty as her boyfriend was. One thing that Pearl Fernandez does at the end, right before she's sentenced, which I thought, what the hell? Like, I didn't believe that. <laughs> I know the judge didn't believe that. Like, just shut up, woman, because right now you're like, no, like, no, you know, when she apologized, it was such a fake apology. Yeah, but she didn't even, she didn't even shed one tear as she apologized. And mm-hmm. maybe she loved the other two kids. And that's why she said, you would come back to me. And it's like, and you would come to your senses? To what senses? Mm-hmm. You're evil. You're a monster. You killed your own kid. And you didn't just kill your own kid. You tortured him severely. Mm-hmm. I noticed too, when, she, when they called out the sentence, she got up. I swear I saw like a right smirk on her lip as if like, ha, you got the death row and I didn't. Yeah, she, that's what I got. She was, yeah. So that was the end of the sentencing, the trials. And you would think, you would think this would teach DCFS, you know, not to fail in other cases and to be more alert and like, See something, say something, and like, you know, be like, I'm not going to take this lightly. Like, none of that, right? You would think that, that this, this case would be like, we can't do this anymore. We can't just let things fall through the cracks. But no. Exactly. It happened again. Mm-hmm. Five years later, after Gabriel Fernandez's death, another boy died under the same circumstances. 10-year-old Anthony Avalos was denied access to food and a bathroom. So it's kind of like really similar to Gabriel Fernandez's case. He was abused the same way Gabriel was. Um, calls were also made by teachers and relatives, but according to the DA, DCFS never helped Anthony Avalos either, which, mm-hmm. you know, ended up to his death. And as we're watching the mm-hmm. series and as we're talking about this, you know, when it's like, you would think that people out there shouldn't do this because of how much he was tortured and, and whatnot. But the sad part is that it's still happening. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that as we speak, it's still happening. Yep. And the reason I say this is because it happened in our state. Actually, it happened in a town where you grew up, in a town where I grew up, where I went to school. Mm-hmm. Flagstaff, Arizona, the parents and grandmother of a six-year-old Flagstaff boy found dead in his home from apparent malnourishment. Both of them have been arrested on suspicion of murder and child abuse. This was just this week. I guess from what we can take from all of this is to everybody that's listening, to everybody that has watched the series, if you see something, say something. Uh, speak okay. up. Take action. Do something for somebody, whether it's a child, an adult, a human, a dog, an animal. It doesn't matter if you see that somebody is being tortured, if you see that somebody's being hurt in any way emotional or physical speak up please don't be afraid of confrontations please don't be afraid to be put out as like arrogant or whatever or bitchy whatever it doesn't matter just speak up because you never know what you can do for that other person 
Well, thank you so much, Joanna, for being on this episode with me and just giving us your take on this whole Gabriel Fernandez case. It's, it's like I said, it's just, it's hard to even picture it. It's hard to take yeah. in. It's, it's so sad. It's, you know, we're parents and we just, we look at our child, or we look at our children and we say, like, how could somebody do this? Exactly. But also watching from, like, watching this documentary, I I feel like if people watch it, they will actually be a little more alert and looking for red flags. Because believe it or not, like, like I said before, like, I live in a world where my kids are my world. Like, Mm -hmm. I take care of them. I constantly make sure they're fed, they're dressed, they're, they're bathed, whatever. Yeah, right. That's what you do when you you love your children. Exactly. So you, you live in a world thinking like everybody else is living the same life and it's not unfortunately it's not like you don't you don't you don't want to believe these things are happening so it's crazy because after watching this documentary like everywhere I go now I'm just trying to look for red flags on any little kid like do they look yeah. like they're being or it's it's crazy how my perspective changed so much now like now I'm just looking at kids and like seeing if I see any yeah. any signs of abuse because it's just it's crazy how how common it is and we didn't know like we I didn't, I lived in the world thinking like every all the kids were being treated good just like how my kids like every parent wants the best for their kids so it's yeah it's just it's just an eye-opener for sure yeah it definitely I hope this series will just have it, it'll help people just be more conscious and aware of these atrocious acts that do happen with children and the child abuse is real. Um, we should all already know this, but it's definitely, like you said, an eye-opener for us to be more alert to the situation. And I hope that this will help somebody out there. Um, the trials of Gabriel Fernandez will help somebody out there and hopefully save another child's mm-hmm. life. Exactly. At least. Okay, well, thank you so much. And for everybody that's watching, you guys, remember to subscribe from wherever you're tuning in from. Go ahead and follow me on my social media. Instagram is YDG4 underscores. Twitter, Yesenia D. Garcia. And Facebook, Yesenia D. Garcia. Thank you so much, you guys. And we'll see you on the next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.